looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, as always, Dante Belmonte. This week, joined by my good friend, Eric. Eric, how are you doing today, man? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for, for coming on. I believe this is your first time doing a podcast. Is that correct? Yeah. Thanks for I, having me. I'm honored to, to pop cherry with you here and get you <laughs> on the show. Um, so yeah, so Eric's a client of mine. We've done, I believe, uh, three deals together total, or, or I've represented you on three um, really sales and purchases for the most part. And uh, just seeing how you have excelled in the last year and technically you've done, uh, what's that? If you count the buy, the sale, six deals really for the most part, if you think about it on buy, sale and, and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been an exciting first year. It has, and you've done a mix of a whole, a whole bunch of things really. But uh, first, just go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us you know, who you are, where you're from and, and what you do. Yeah. So uh, again, thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Eric McCarty. I'm originally from the downstate uh, New York area. So around Binghamton, um, um, got my degree in engineering, been in engineering for about 10 to 15 years. And uh, the last couple of years have been really talking with, with the wife about, you know, doing something else. And, and, you know, we got to invest in real estate. We got to invest in real estate. And I've been kind of just, you know, not, not really taking her seriously. And then, um, it was one Christmas, I think it was in 20, 2019 was just reading some articles on, um, the math behind real estate and me being an engineering guy, it really, it really hit home. So I was like, I, I could do this. And that was Christmas. And then I think in, in February of the following year, I had my first deal under my belt. Um, yeah. off-market deal. And, and from there, it's just been kind of, kind of rolling ever since. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely something to be said about engineers in this business because A, my partner is an engineer, very, you know, analytic guy. Uh, B, when we go down to the Carolinas and we're shopping for property, I swear every other broker we met with is like, yeah, I used to be an engineer. I got into real estate and so many investors that have invested with us or that we've met are also engineers or in their past life. So there's something to be said about you guys just kind of flooding the space. I think it's funny. Um, yeah. But no, that's great. So, you know, let's hop right in. So like you're saying, you're doing some reading and you, you got into your first deal pretty quick. Tell us about that deal or deals and how they came about and, and let's talk about that. Yeah. So the first deal, um, I had just grabbed a random um, uh, real estate agent and I was looking for a couple properties or I was looking at a couple properties. And he, after looking through a few, he was like, Hey, I've got this place in, in Oswego. It's a, it's a student rental, um, looking to get out of it. You know, would you consider buying it? And I was like, absolutely. So we looked at it. Um, my wife and I went up and looked at it and, um, good house. It was $50,000. Um, I did some research in the area on, on the schools and mainly SUNY. Um, it's a, it's a college rental right now. So, um, you know, 
I, I did a, I did some research on it and found out I could get anywhere from from fifteen hundred to to two thousand dollars if I rented it rented it fully. So we we went all in on it. Um, did some minor upgrades, and uh, and got some students in it, and they've been in there for a year, and the thing's cranking. I mean, it's, it's doing awesome. What are they paying right now, and is it by the bed or by the, the actual house? Yeah, so it's it's uh, five hundred a room. So there's actually three girls in there now. Um, so their rent's about six hundred and seventy dollars. Um, it equates to about two thousand and fifty dollars. They've got a pet. So um, after you know principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, I think that ends up being about four to five hundred dollars. I'm clearing about fifteen hundred a month, um, wow. and then you know obviously if, if anything happens from a CapEx standpoint or, or a maintenance standpoint, and I've got a property manager up there too, that I'm paying to, to, to take care of like minor maintenance things and um, you know, lawn care. And of course, snow removal up there is big. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. They definitely get hit with a lot of snow. I Yeah. Talks about uh, funding the deal. Did you pay cash? Did you finance? You mentioned principal and interest. So you, I'm assuming you financed it. How so? Yeah, we financed it um, 25% down. So we put, what was that, uh, $1,500, $15,000 in the deal. It was just some money that we had saved up, um, nothing nothing crazy. And yeah, I mean, we just, we went the the conventional financing route and um, yeah, it was, a lear- it was a learning experience for sure. But Right. Yeah. I mean, that's great. So you've already got one property under your belt. It's making some serious cash flow and you're getting exposed to some student rentals, which is awesome. Um, how about deals after that? What'd you end up doing after that? Yeah. So um, the next two deals that, that I got were probably a month later. Uh, my wife and I were on vacation. These two off market deals came across my email and I was very adamant about putting my name out there and just hearing about, you know, off-market deals and, and, and networking. So I was literally talking to everybody about real estate. It was like that obsession phase when you first right. get into it, right? So, um, and it worked. I mean, I, I started getting off-market deals weekly and these two deals came across. They were package deals. It was a, a four-family and a three-family or a four-bedroom and a three-bedroom, sorry, Um each one, I think the the three family was about forty thousand, and the and the four family was forty five. So I knew just doing some quick research that I was buying these things under value. Um, right. I, I I always try to buy under value just in case something happens. Um, I I could either make my money back or or get a little bit of return. Um, so we went back and forth and back and forth and, and we put an offer in with an escalation clause and, and the, um, the, the current owners at the time, uh, accepted. And we had three houses in the first two months of, of really trying. Yeah. And so with those two houses that you bought off market, the four bedroom and the three bedroom, um, was that finance again? Yes. Yep. Same type of financing. Um, again, we, we had some money left over in that kind of savings bucket that, that we, uh, that we, that we invested. So all three were the same type of financing. Awesome. Yeah. So those, those two deals after you bought them, um, I think that's when you and I, do you remember how you and I got in contact originally? Was it through bigger pockets or some investor group? Do you know what that was from? Yeah, it was, uh, I was, I've been following you through bigger pockets and then you had a, uh, I got hooked up on your email list for okay. market deals again. And then you showed me some, 
multifamily uh, in downtown Syracuse. And I that's think that's right. Yeah. Yep. I remember we went and saw, I believe we saw that seven unit together and yeah. uh, over on Salina. And so funny that one, you know, we didn't end up moving forward on it. I actually have it under contract right now for another client. It fell out after like four months under contract. The seller said, Hey, can you get this thing sold? I brought him a buyer and we came to a, an agreement on price. So that's funny. Um, but yeah, so after that, you and I, we kind of networked a little more and we got to know each other and you said, you know, Hey, I've got these two deals I just bought. Um, I think I bought them well below market value. I think I want to do things to add a little value to them and then flip them around and sell them. And we did just that really. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, do you want to touch on each deal? You, you did two different approaches because one was vacant, one had a tenant and you did a different thing in each building that added value. Do you want to talk about that real quick, what those were? Sure. Yeah. So the, the four bedroom um, had a long-term tenant in there and section eight. So I did some research on section eight because that was another new thing to me. I didn't really understand that whole process. So I got on the phone, talked to some people about, um, you know, how much, how much could I raise the tenant's rent such that her portion doesn't change. And it turns out there was about 175 to $200. I don't remember the figures exactly. I think her rent was 650 and we got it up to like 850, 850 or, right. or something. Yeah. Without even doing anything really. So I just made a couple phone calls and boosted that rent. Um, that house was really in good condition. Um, so we didn't really have to do much to it in, in order to, in order to sell it. And I knew that going into it. Um, the other property I bought vacant, you know, it needed new flooring in the kitchens and, you know, we ended up putting new flooring in the kitchen. We ripped the carpet out. We did some things to the, to the hardwoods that were, that were under the carpet. We painted the house. Um, you know, it was nothing crazy. I think we put about 10 grand into that house. Um, and and we're able to flip it at a profit. So both of the houses, we, we, we put 10 grand in total and, and we flipped with a, with a pretty good profit. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, with that first one, we were talking about the four bedroom, you know, you, you simply took a rent from 650 to 850. It really didn't have any financial impact on that tenant for the most part, because it was section eight. And, mm -hmm. and therefore, you know, you were able to add that value on the income approach. So you didn't have to put a really a dollar into it, maybe some minor repairs and maintenance while holding it. Um, you, you brought it to me, I brought you a buyer, and uh, you're able to put that one for a decent profit. I don't remember exactly what those numbers were. If I pull them up, are you comfortable with me sharing those or? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just pulling them up here. So I think that one you bought for 40 something, 40 or 45. And we yep. ended up selling that for 65 and you didn't, yep. you didn't do any work to it really. You just made I a few phone calls. So, yeah, uh, you know, so starting off, we've got student rentals. You did something with section eight. And then you did a single family rental. And then with this other property, you ended up doing uh, essentially a, a flip. You know, you, you had the property, it was vacant. You, you bought it under value. You put some money into it, made it look a little prettier, and then you sold it at a profit. So again, you've done section eight, uh, student rentals, single families, and a flip all like right down the line pretty quick. So um, there's three deals under your belt. And how short of a time would you say? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it, it felt like a couple months. It, it the, the sale kind of, um, took a little bit longer than I think we expected, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a long amount of time. I think that whole process was like six months. It wasn't bad. Yeah. And you had debt on these properties. So it wasn't like you paid 40 grand cash for each and you were all in for 80, you know, you financed 25% of them. So essentially you almost doubled your money based on what actual capital you had invested in those deals. Is that correct? 
Yeah. Yeah. I definitely leveraged the bank. Um, and I had some money on the side, do some things while all that was going on. So it was, it was a, it was a good thing altogether. Yeah. That's awesome. So how about your, your fourth deal that you did? So yeah, the fourth deal was a commercial deal. Um, that was a building downtown Syracuse and Armory Square. Um, my wife owns a salon right now on Van Rensselaer Street, 315 Beauty Bar. A little shout out to her. Great job, babe. <laughs> um, and she, she wanted to expand. So she, you know, the business uh, took off and, you know, we were just kind of kicking the idea around. Where would we go? What would, you know, and we, we looked at this building. Um, you showed us the building. It was actually on market. Um, and very we poorly marketed. We, we should mention that very poorly marketed, <laughs> very marketed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we checked it out. And then, um, after afterwards we were like, all right, we want to get a, a second look at this thing because, you know, first look is kind of like just walking through talking kind of like yep. the shock factor. We really want to go in with some details, take some notes. Um, so we called you up. Hey, we want to look at this thing. I'm not available. You, you weren't available at the time. And then the, the seller's agent wasn't available at the time. And you guys were like, Hey, do you want to meet with the seller? I was like, absolutely. I'd yeah. love to meet with the seller. So you, you never really get to meet with the seller. It's always Correct. So, um, so they, uh, husband and wife took us, took us through the property and they just started talking and they told us that, you know, the building had been in the family for a long time and, you know, they were ready to, to, to get out of it. It was more causing them a headache than, than not. And I got a feeling that a, they own the property outright yep. and B, they really wanted to get rid of it. So once I kind of knew those things, I, I just floated the question, you know, you guys, would you guys be interested in any type of seller financing deal? We could kind of limit the amount of money that you're paying in taxes. You're not paying the capital gains over time. Um, and they really bought into it. And we ended up doing a, let's see, I forget the actual numbers on this thing, but we did six months interest only, yep. um, 4% down on a building that's $600,000. So yep. we've got $40,000 into this building. Um, and we're, we're right now we've, we're demoing the, the first floor and we've got contractors, plumbers, electricians in there right now. So we're basically demoing the whole thing. Um, and, and my wife's got a really good vision for this place, but yeah, to get into a building for, you know, just over a half a million dollars for, for 40 K is, is basically Not only to get into a building, but to set the stage for those that are listening that aren't familiar with the building or where Syracuse is, when we say prime real estate downtown, like there's a Starbucks across the street and they've been there forever. <laughs> like this, this is like prime real estate. It butts up against one of like the nicest and one of the most popular restaurants possibilities um, in Syracuse, which they were actually renting the rear section of the building from you guys for a little bit. I don't know if they still yeah. are, but I mean, this was a, a beautiful old brick building, two story, uh, you know, downstairs it was open. It had offices. The backside was rented by, possibilities they were making pasta out of there actually and then upstairs had a, a one one unit salon and then there was a whole nother section unit that just had these really high ceilings it had brick walls just this beautiful building really in it and not only did it have a courtyard to the side as well that you can walk down it wasn't butted up between two buildings as well and again just really prime real estate and 
the, the, the catch there was the agent really did not market it well. Terrible photos, terrible description. You could, couldn't really get a good idea of the building. It was commercial and it wasn't on all the commercial platforms it needed to be on. And you guys capitalized on that. And also being able to do it with seller financing is huge. Instead of putting 25% down, you, you did 4%. You know, that's unheard of. And even when you went to go get a loan, a local credit union or bank, they wouldn't have allowed you to take six months of interest only. And they certainly wouldn't have given you 4%. So, you know, we're talking right. better down payment, we're talking better interest rate, and then even better terms. And, you know, at any time, like we discussed, you know, you add the value to the building, you show what maximum income it can make, the value is going to be higher, you can go to the bank, refinance it, pay off the, the seller finance if you want, and you can really uh, recuperate a lot of the capital in that deal, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really what we're hoping to do in, in the long term. Yeah, that is awesome. So uh, now we're talking, and also we won't get into the numbers here, but you were telling me about the salon business and how much money your wife can make with that. I was like, I'm in the wrong business. Totally. Like <laughs> we, we all should have cut hair. Exactly. Exactly. It's good. So again, kind of take it from the top. We did student rental, section eight, single family rental, flip, and then commercial slash seller finance. So you're talking four deals now and you've done one, two, three, four, five, six, six different types of real estate technically in those deals. And now we'll throw in another one in there and I'll let you take the rain on that. Yeah. So this one I'm super excited about. Um, we just closed on a, on a property in the Blue Ridge Mountains down in North Carolina, um, Banner Elk area. It's really Banner Elk, Boone and Blowing Rock. So uh, Boone is Appalachian State uh, College. So um, just closed on that deal running an Airbnb. It's a five bedroom, three and a half bath, 3000 square foot mountain house. Um, we got that one off market too. So the, the way we got this one was a, a buddy of mine down in North Carolina. It was really a buddy of a good friend of mine. And I, you know, I played fantasy football with this guy for, for a couple of years and never really met him before, but always talked to him. And I knew he had this house. So I think it was one morning I was just checking up on him. How's the house going? And he said, Hey, I'm looking to sell it. And I'm like, well, geez, I've wanted to, to buy something in that area. And, you know, the, the process took a, a while to, to, to complete. Um, I had some issues on the financing side, um, which we can get into if you like, but um, anyways, the, the, the Airbnb now is live. I'm managing it fully myself. So I'm not paying a property management company. They want way too much money. So yeah, on the short term rentals, they do. Yeah. If you're talking the thing gross is a hundred K, you're paying them twenty to twenty five thousand dollars just to manage the property. Right. And really they care about butts and beds. So they're looking at occupancy rates. They're not looking at average daily rates. So I've systematized everything. I've got I'm using hospitable price labs. Um, so the hospitable side is really the auto messaging. Um, and you know, one of the things that, that Airbnb and the super hosts um, look for in their algorithms is the response time. So when mm -hmm. somebody inquires about your property, you want to be as, as quickly to response back to them as you can. And that's where the auto messaging helps. And then of course the, the dynamic pricing tool to really adjust on the low demand and the, in the high demand. So I'm just, you know, learning with this process, but the thing's live. I've got July already booked. Um, I booked about 6K 
in February already. And it's uh, sky's the limit with this place. And in February, February is not the busy month, is it? February is the downturn just because the good thing about the mountain um, vacation areas is the seasonality is a little bit lower, especially if you've got skiing there. So this place has three ski mountains within 20 minutes of the house. Um, and then in the summertime, it's skiing, golfing, or not skiing, golfing, hiking. Uh, there's a lot of festivals. So the summertime just keeps on, keeps on rolling. So it, it's right. a, it's good. A good it's almost like a, a year round vacation rental. It's not like just, just uh, summer or just winter. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the financing piece. If you're comfortable talking about that. So you said you were having a little bit trouble getting financing. Uh, what'd you do to overcome that? Yeah. So right at the end of the deal, um, the, the, um, the bank found out that, um, I had a debt to income, uh, ratio issue and I wasn't able to finance this thing with a second home mortgage. So the second home mortgage is a, is a 10% down payment and you just need to spend X amount of time at the property. And I think for this property in North Carolina, it was two weeks and I was totally cool doing that. Right. Um, but I wasn't able to, to qualify for that. So right at the end, they said, okay, we can still do the deal, um, but you're going to have to put 15% down. The interest rate's going to go up a little bit and the number still worked. So I wasn't panicking. However, the, the down payment for me changed significantly. So um, I actually did a partnership on this deal. Um, an acquaintance of mine who, who I met probably... I don't know, five months ago, I was, I was just talking to him about the deal. And he's like, well, I've got, I've got some money and I've been looking to, to invest in real estate. And of course, nobody can find anything. So um, I said, well, you know, let's talk about it. And if you're, if you're serious, we can, we can write some, um, some verbiage up and, and we can do the deal together. So he's, he seeked out his attorney. Um, we wrote up some, some verbiage that kind of covered both of our, both of our ends. And then, um, yep. yeah, next thing you know, he transferred me the money and we were going in on it together. Off to the reins you go. Right. Yep. And it, I, I think that's so cool. And so was that, would you say that's your first like partnership or private lender, so to speak, not counting seller financing? hundred percent. Yeah. How, how awesome did it feel when that person said yes, and then actually executed on it and wired you the money? How cool did that feel? <laughs> It was great. It was yeah. great. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember my first time I was, I was doing a burger. So I bought a single family for super cheap. And I, you know, I remember this, this uh, person I used to hang out with in high school. I remember her dad would talk about like, you know, he was big into investing and he was saying how he had a family member that he invested in some flips with them. Five years go by, you know, barely talk to them, anything. I just shot him an email and was like, you know, we were friends on social media. So I see what he's doing. He sees what I'm doing. And I just shoot him an email and I'm just like, Hey, you know, I hope all is well. Hey, I've got this project. I sent him basically a whole like one page outline of the project. And I said, you know, happy to, you know, have you a partner on this or lend on it in any way possible. Uh, if that's something you're open to. And then he just replied to the email, like no questions asked. He was just like, uh, how was 20 K? And I was like, yeah, that's perfect. And then he emailed me again. He's like, here's my office address. Just go to the front desk and there'll be a check for you um, for that amount. And I was just that's like, awesome. Yeah. I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like I haven't talked to this person in so long. I shot him an email. We worked out a great deal. Just did a promissory note. I picked up the check 
and immediately cashed it, put it to work in the project and got him his money back uh, about a month earlier than I said I would with the return I promised him. And, you know, we're going to start talking about doing some other stuff together. Um, that was more short, short term, but now he might partner with us in some of our larger term stuff, but just asking the question and just kind of looking in your network. I say all this to say to the listeners, you really never know who's watching you behind the scenes, who's watching you on social media and who has some money or who wants to partner on a deal that can help you do a deal you wouldn't have been able to do before. And yeah, that seems to be the case with your deal, right? Yeah. And, and the partnership just, you know, if you have, if you have the right business partner, they can just open up so many doors for you too. So I'm already, I'm already seeing that um, it, with, with this deal. We just, the, the options are, are, are limited right now or unlimited right now. Yeah, no, I love that. So, you know, for those listening, you've got one guy here who in about a year, would you say a year, year and a half since you started doing your first deal, if not less? Yeah, it's been probably pretty close to exact to a year. Yeah, There you go. So, you know, that first one, like we said, we did student rental, they did section eight, they needed a single family rental, they needed a flip, you did a commercial deal, you did seller finance with that, then you pivoted to short term rental slash Airbnb, and then even with a partnership. So just a few deals, you exercised a, a lot of different ways to do deals. Now the question is going to be to you, which one have you been enjoying the most out of all of them? Oh, they've all been, they've all been great. Um, you know, it, when people say real estate's a roller coaster ride, it is definitely a roller coaster ride. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with this Airbnb. Like I said, it's been, it's been live for about a month and there's a lot of data behind it. So I'm super analytical um, I, I'm having a lot of fun with that one, but they've all had unique um, experiences that, you know, you just try to learn from your mistakes and I've made a lot of them. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, they've all taught me a lesson for sure. Yeah. I mean, when I was doing an Airbnb about two years ago, I remember, you know, my phone vibrates. It's an Airbnb notification. I look at it and it's like new booking from so-and-so to so-and-so. And you're just like, let's go. You know, you get yeah. that feeling when you get the booking and you click it and you're like, you see the total amount at the bottom that's coming to you and you're like, there's my mortgage payment and one booking, you know, it's, yep. it's a pretty surreal feeling. And, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different avenues, you know, I've done a burr, I've done the uh, uh, house hack. I've done the two family, uh, just rental conventional rental uh, with that burr. It was like a hybrid of a flip um, done some commercial deals, done some syndications and some hybrid of wholesales too. So, you know, just, you're doing all this different stuff and you're trying to figure out which one is best for you and which one you really like. And I've ruled out a lot of them and I finally kind of found my niche of what works well. And if anyone's listened to the podcast long enough, they know I'm a big multifamily private equity syndication guy is kind of where I've landed in that realm. So mm-hmm. I like that. Um, Eric, before we head over to our next section of the show, anything you want to share with the audience, anything in your experience or while you've uh, done during investing? No, I just think, you know, I've, I've done all this with a full-time W2 job. So um, I'm a director at a, at a tech company putting in minimum 50 hours a week at, at my W2 and I'm still getting this done. So anybody out there thinking that it's not possible, it certainly is possible. You just got to go out there and get it. Yeah. You are a prime example of that. And you've got two little ones on the way. Is that correct? Yes. Two, two little ones. So the wife is pregnant with twins uh, due in May. Awesome. I'm not so sure that this pace is going to be able to sustain, but we'll see, man. <laughs> not just one, but two. And I, I just had <laughs> one. So I know what one's like. I can't imagine two. So God bless you. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, 
let's head over to our next section of the show called the curious cues. Don't get nervous. They're really easy questions here. We ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Sure. All right. First question is favorite podcast. Favorite podcast. I listen to a lot of the short-term shop with Avery Carl right now. Okay. And enjoy that. Yeah. Airbnb is just kind of the flavor for me. So I'm trying to just take in everything I can take in. And um, of course I'm checking your podcast out too. So don't worry about that. Awesome. Appreciate (laughs) the love as always. How about a favorite book you enjoy reading? doesn't have to be real estate related. It's it's definitely rich dad, poor dad. I know it's, you know, it's what a lot of people say, but man, that thing resonated with me big time. And um, it's something I got to read again. And I recommend that book to, to everybody. Yeah. It's a, it's a great foundation piece for anyone that's looking to get into this business or anyone that's really just looking to hone in on finances a little more or, or early retirement or self-employment or working for yourself. And if, if you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I highly suggest those listeners to go to Cashflow Quadrant after. That's kind of like the second book out of uh, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series there that um, really takes that Rich Dad, Poor Dad book and escalates it even more. So really good. How about biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome? Biggest hurdle in real estate. Um, I think it was the financing with this, with this Airbnb. So, you know, I, I could talk to you for, for hours on all the issues that happened. And, you know, at, at one point, um, my wife and I were like, how many, how many notices do we have to get before we understand that this deal is not for us? And right. I, I didn't want to look at it like that. I just, I wanted to look at it from the side of, okay, these are just hurdles that, you know, most people are going to bail and say, no, we're, we're done. You know, I, I just can't keep up with all this, but I just, I kept, you know, persistence is key. Right. So it was just one thing at a time. Um, and eventually we got the deal done, but that was definitely, um, the, the most biggest hurdle I think I, I've faced thus far. Yeah. And that's every real estate deal is going to have its own hurdles, its own up and down, ups and downs. Like you said, you said it already. And I say it all the time. And I tell this to all of my new clients that are purchasing property with me. I say, you know, real estate's like a roller coaster. It has its ups and downs, but you just have to stay on for the ride. And it's very true because, you know, you have those ops where you're like, Oh, I got the offer accepted. I've got the property under contract. Like I know what the numbers are going to be. And you have those downs when maybe your interest rate gets bumped a little bit, or maybe something came back on the inspection that was negative, or just maybe financing overall didn't work out. And th- those are those downs, or maybe there's a, a legal issue, but you just got to got to fight through them and, and get through. And obviously you're very happy you did just that because you've got a good deal. that's making you some really good money. Yeah, I think a lot of it goes into your acquisition model too. So if you're if you're getting these properties under value, you can kind of absorb the the interest rate hike or you know the inspection coming back where you know you need to put some more money into the deal. So encourage people to definitely try not to get hooked on a property um, and really let the numbers speak to them for themselves and and always run worst case. I, I always run worst case numbers. So if you're happy with worst case. Um, I think it's a good deal. Go for it. Yeah. I love it. How about favorite non-real estate related hobby? What do you like doing in your free time? Huge golfer. Yeah. Um, wish I could play more. Of course we live in the snowy capital of the world. I feel like, but, um, yeah, huge golfer, avid outdoors, man. I just like being outside. Yeah. Come, uh, come spring, 
you and I will have to play a few games. I'm terrible. I didn't get to play once this year, but I, I, I want to play more. I want to get better, but with those Absolutely. little ones coming, I don't know how much time you're going to have to swing the club, you know? I, I know. I know. That's the, that's the running joke with my buddies right now. So we'll see, man. Once a week at least. So oh, yeah. we got to do that. And, and if your buddies don't have kids, the jokes will just keep coming or, or it'll keep going because they don't understand. I promise. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then how about newbie advice? So what advice would you give to someone that's looking to get started in real estate or, you know, tackle any of the type of investments that you tackled? Yeah, I would just say, you know, get comfortable with the numbers. Um, you really got to understand the math behind it and just network, put yourself out there. The, the one thing I found about the real estate community is that everyone's very willing to help yeah. and friendly. I haven't met one person that's like, no, I'm not telling you my secrets. Like people that are in real estate, love real estate, and they can talk about real estate forever. And, you know, I don't always get to talk to people about real estate. So when I meet somebody who's in with real estate, you know, we're sharing stories and, and experiences. So definitely network and, and learn as much as you can about the numbers. Don't get into analysis paralysis, get comfortable mm. with the numbers and, and, and make the deal happen. Yeah, definitely. That analysis paralysis phase is definitely killer to some people and it holds people back. And sometimes people miss out on deals. I always tell people, you know, you just got to take that step, put in that offer or, you know, buy that property and it's that snowball effect. It'll keep going for you. So Eric, this has been awesome. If you don't mind putting in your contact information, if someone wants to get in touch with you or talk to you more about, you know, the deals you're doing at the markets you're in, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, um, CNY investor. And then I'm also on Facebook, Eric McCarty. Um, I, you know, I'm in a couple of the groups, um, Airbnbs, uh, the, the CNY investor groups. You can find me, find me there. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time this evening for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Dante. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.